Rockingham, are you ready to flame on? Get set. It's time to enter the Hall of Flame. The Hall of Flame podcast is brought to you today by Wizard Lane Bookkeeping. Does the thought of doing your own books make you weak at the knees? Do you put your books off until the last minute? Have you had a bad experience with your previous bookkeepers? Or do you just want more time to focus on the things that are really important, like your business and your family? If the answer to any of these is yes, Wizard Lane Bookkeeping can help you out. Wizard Lane Bookkeeping is focused on taking the burden out of your bookkeeping. Their aim is to provide efficient and quality bookkeeping services using Zero and Zero App Marketplace to deliver a user-friendly, cloud-based, all-inclusive accounting system, whatever business you're in or wherever you may be. Wizard Lane Bookkeeping services includes bookkeeping, payroll, reporting, ATO compliance, training support and industry. Wizard Lane Bookkeeping is a local business based in Baldivis and utilises the expertise of a fully qualified accountant. If you need tailored solutions, more time for you or in-person support at affordable prices, give Wizard Lane Bookkeeping a call on 0434 981 446. And now to the podcast. What is up, Flames family? It's 2020. The Hall of Flame podcast is back. My name is Stuart Horton. The first podcast of the year, the best people to have in are the head coaches. They're both with me right now. Ryan Patrick, Keegan Crawford, men, thanks for joining me. No worries, mate. Thanks for having us. What, what is up is a strong start. Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's a bit, bit better than hi or welcome. Okay. or So, yeah, I'm sticking with what's up. Because yeah, it's 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 a little it's a little bit more impactful. I feel what's up. So what is up? It's five months on from last season. Lots of time to think. Lots of time to tinker. Business end of the of the preseason is is on us. We're we're less than two weeks. We're less almost a week away. Yeah. Where are we at? Yeah. I mean. I've kind of adopted a lot of the preseason stuff that Ryan used to do when he was with the women's program. So I know a lot of programs started uh, October, November last year doing stuff, beach sessions, that sort of stuff. So we were pretty big in the camp of, you know, we went all the way to the end. The girls need a break. The season's too long as it is. So we did a couple individual skill sessions for girls that wanted to get on court in November, December. But we didn't start preseason until mid-Jan. So tonight we have practice 12 of our, of our preseason. So... Like enough to get stuff in and be ready for round one, but you know we've given the girls a break, they're reinvigorated and they're hopefully ready to play round one. Uh, we're a little bit different, obviously, just because our season finished three weeks earlier than Keegan's. Yeah, we're not that much further in front. Um, again, as Keegan said, it's a long year. We're getting there slowly, very slowly, if you saw our pre-season results. Um, but again, as Keegan said, August is what matters, not March. Couldn't care less about what happens in March. It's just about trying to get them to not rip each other's heads off before August. Building that fire in the belly, though, is that a bad thing at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Because they just can't... Being part-time, most of them, it's a lot to ask Greg to try and drive down from October through to August. So, and yeah, it's a long year. Like Obviously, these guys work full-time, 90% of them anyway. They they have the fire. Um, I need to get their brains fresh, their legs fresh. Um, they they want to play like we're holding them back. It's not the other way around. Right. Um, but again, we'll try and peak in August, not March. Can you give us a sort of a, a, an insight, a sneak peek into what happens when the season finishes to the season beginning again? Because it's a bit of a process you guys go through. Because players come, players go. You need to look at who you can bring in, who you want to retain, who you don't want to. What's the process of, of getting people back and then finding the right pieces to fit around who, who is staying? Well, it's kind of like a, a twofold question because it's uh, what happens with the league and what happens with your team. So a lot of the free agency stuff is there's a bit of a gray area with some of it, but you know you start communicating after the grand final and whether you, know, you communicate with the league about contracts and who you can speak to when. But for us, like 
our whole philosophy is we take care of ourselves first. We do all of our exit and eatings. We keep everything in-house. What did you like? What didn't you like? We just chat and we talk and then we evaluate who wants to come back, what we're doing, and then we fill needs from there. So I know it's not the same sort of strategy as a lot of teams. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but we take care of ourselves first and then we plug holes from there. And on your side of things, Ryan? Well, why to grow that horrendous beard? Look at that beard. Um, we, we've had we've had a little bit of a back and forth while I was setting up between these two um, about facial hair and yeah, podcasts amongs so other things. Can't grow a facial hair. <laughs> Don't need a flea collar. What a flea collar! You know, back in the old school, when your dogs had like a flea collar, they got rid of fleas. Yeah, yeah it's because of your beard. Yeah, but like just try growing one. It looks dirty. <laughs> Our off season. Um, yeah, to what Keegan was saying, like we clearly identified some weaknesses. Again, having not won it, so we had some areas we needed to fix. We had two guys we needed to fire, and we did. Uh, and that essentially gave us four of our top seven, so we needed to go and find three more. And obviously, signing JR was pretty important, so we needed a big. Uh, we wanted to go a little bit smaller this year, so we basically downsized. So, Chudia down to Dernan, LT down to Hussey in terms of size. And then once we've got those two pieces sorted out, um, what do we do with that final import spot? What do we still need more of? If you can find a Julia, you should probably take it. I'm interested in getting into how you filter through your, your imports and, and who you want to target, but going a little bit smaller, there seems to be a little bit of a trend at the moment in basketball. Um, and, and I'm thinking specifically um, Houston, Mike D'Antonio going small, sort of doing away with the center. Do you feel that's the way the game is going? Five guys who are all great on the ball, you don't need that that big? Look, I like I think it's easy to make the observation, and I agree, but I don't know if the trend is going small ball. I think it's going skill ball. So it's putting the five most talented athletes on the floor, and if they happen to be five, six-foot guards, or they happen to be your, your five most talented players at six-four forwards, and in women's, it is what it is with that. But you do see the common theme is, is to generally go smaller for playmaking, shooting, speed, all that sort of stuff. That's, that's you know, we are a little bit smaller this year and it wasn't from the mindset of let's go smaller. It was, okay, how can we get our talent on the floor together at the same time? Yeah, and to what Keegan said, um, even that Houston situation, Capella was the most tradable asset. They couldn't trade Harden, obviously. And they weren't gonna trade Westbrook, so they gave him Capella. So it made him go small. It's just, as Keegan said, it's just easier to find five talented small players than it is talented tall players. And generally, if you're tall and you're good, you're worth a fortune. That was why it was so easy for us to bring JR back. Like, show me the alternative six foot nine big who can shoot the three at 45%, who can also really play, who's also such a river bloke. They're just so hard to find. As we spoke to other coaches around the league, like when they were looking for big imports, like it's just hard. I know from WNBL experience, it's hard to find quality bigs. So you're right, the world's going smaller. Um, the analytics would show that the post-move game is just not an efficient basketball shot. And it's also, as Keegan said, it's skill ball. If you speak to Dan, or listening to Dan Tony talk, he talks about, he doesn't want to go small, he wants to put the five most talented guys in the court he can. I guess if he had access to a guy like Cat or yeah, Anthony Davis exactly or Puzingis right. who can play at the five and yeah. shoot that three really well, yeah. he's going to take Sotomayor, it. Sotomayor, he played him one time. So Sotomayor 6'10", from memory. Yeah. So I don't think he's anti-big as much as he's anti-bad bigs or just bad players in general, which generally it's hard to find good guy, good bigs. Yeah, yeah and to that, I think it's all skill set based as well. Like. You know, the Wildcat the Wildcats clearly have lineups where, where they go small, but like their small ball still has like Nick Kay. You know, yeah. you know, uh, the pick and roll did an article on him before coming into the playoffs, and I think he was the only player that was averaging over a point per possession on post ups and that sort of stuff. So uh, yeah, again, I don't. I think the trend is more skill ball, and where can you score the most? Not it has to be five guards, but that just tends to be the normal tendency. I'm reigning in my temptation to to go on a big love fest for Nick K. I'll I'll spare everyone that. I'll, <laughs> I'll spare you all that. On the on the topic of imports, though, you obviously you know what you want. You have a, a list of a list of boxes that you need to tick, and this is who we want. So then, where do you go from there? What's the process? Uh, emails and emails and lists and lists and lists. So like for us, the first port of call. Like whenever finding an import, like you can find, you know, a hundred imports is right. hundreds of, of Yanks and overseas professional players that want gigs, but 
the hardest box to check is the character reference box. Like you can go through any agency or or any agent, they can give you a list of girls that would potentially want to play for your team, but you've got to have kind of your own checklist of here's the two, three things we really want to get out of it. Who's the most talented player available? And then, okay, like, are they a good cultural fit? Like one massive thing that Warren has driven here and the club's really been great at is, you know, having the program give back, you know, you'll constantly see Aussie Hoops uh, sessions run by SBL players and imports and that sort of stuff. And, you know, if you get an import that doesn't want to do that a lot of the times like that that could be a box that doesn't get ticked right yeah um as Keegan said character and culture are huge so clearly we're chasing the most talented goal we can find but as with Keegan's team like we've both got pretty good squads so if you put um a bad egg amongst them it's probably going to torpedo your season as we've all seen in previous years or we had two bad eggs last year um that we had to get rid of so um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a long process, and for us, I know for me, I'll, we shoot for the stars. Like we try and find the best humanly possible talent that somehow in our price range, and would have spoken to via email, phone, WhatsApp, whatever. Um, we've probably spoke to close to eighty agents, and of those eighty, forty would have told us we were laughing if we like. Because again, the uh, the request was this was the league MVP last year in Josh Braun. We want better if we can find it. Ideally, he's got G League experience, et cetera, et cetera, to which the agents would just come back saying, mate, for what you've got to spend, um, if you're chasing a G League, you're dreaming. And we weren't expecting to get 400 applicants. We were hoping to find a couple, and we did. We found three guys that had legit G League experience, and we took one of them. Do you have the agents like bashing down your doors saying, here's a player, take a look at them, or are you actively seeking out the agents and going, hey, what have you got? Or is it a combo? So ones that I know well um, are generally pretty respectful and um, pretty good. Guys that you've never spoken to before. Just, and especially when you tell them, like, mate, that guy's not in the ballpark. Like, they can become pretty defensive. Chasing a G-leaguer for X amount, mate, you're dreaming, go away. Whereas other guys are pretty good. Um, you just certainly get a lot of agents that are like, this is your guy. So, well, he's not, so thanks for trying. Just... <laughs> saying some things he probably wish he did, they didn't say, but again, just don't work with those guys again. Um, the agents that are really good, um, and we speak to a couple of like really high level agents, they are very good and very respectful and speak in the right manner, knowing that they'll get to work with you again in the future. Um, it's the bad lower rungs generally that aren't the best. And is it a similar thing that you face on the women's side as well? Yeah, look, I think uh, there are some agents that will only rep women are only rep men and, and that sort of stuff as well. But I think it's trying to form the, the relationship and contact with the agents that you know that you could probably hit up year after year, whether you use their players or not. But yeah, there's there's the agent that will, you know, DM you on Instagram or message you on social media that goes, I have this player available that, you know, you always look at, you look at every option, but probably isn't the most suited. And there's the agent that you have to suit out because you really like this one girl and that really that one girl opens up five or six different avenues through this agent so there's, there's, they don't come in equal shapes and sizes and are they bringing highlights packages and and that sort of stuff to you or do you have to seek that out um, once they've given you a name yeah well like that generally is the first port of call like a highlights package that when you just google their name you see or that they'll send you which is two or three minute highlight video and you know, you watch all of them and, and you get bored or you watch the first one and go, okay, I've seen 30 seconds and I'm interested. And, you know, you watch highlight packages on everyone, but then, you know, you don't recruit someone off a highlight package. Like, everyone looks good in their tape. Yeah, you, you're getting the best of the best on, on film. It's funny, the elite, elite ones generally don't have a highlight reel because they've got so much real game tape to watch. Yep. Um, it's generally the middle run player who's got a highlight reel. So, like, Rob Hyde didn't have his own personalised one, whereas the South Bay Lakers have done a ton for him right. um, as part of the G League package stuff so uh, and that was generally pretty constant with the really elite players uh, whereas the average run of the mill men's SBL player generally had a reel as I said to Keegan before so my first checklist isn't the video it's the numbers um, and if he passes the numbers test then I'll take a look at the highlight reel to see what kind of player he is and if he passes that, then it's full game tape. What numbers are you looking for to jump out at you? No, well, yeah, there's a few obvious ones, but the more detailed ones we probably keep to ourselves. Just because, well, we've done fairly well over the years um, with Cannon and Nibekwe and Whitcomb. So 
I hope it shadows with Keegan. Probably not the rest of the league. <laughs> Fair enough. Understand. Guys, ever heard of BCT? Uh, yeah. No, you haven't, because I just made it up. Oh. Barbecue chicken theory. Opponent is barbecue chicken. No, you guys like to eat. Take the opponent. You bite it. You lick your fingers. You win. You don't know what that means, but you'll figure it out. What drew you to the guys that you've you've come to for this season? Obviously, Josh, you know what you're getting because he's come back for a third season. Robert Hire, uh, probably again self-explanatory given his quality, but I guess I'm a little more interested in Danielle McRae. What stood out there for you, for you, Keegan? Yeah, so the usual package of, of going through the numbers, the numbers that we liked, the Eurobasket, and a couple other. Couple other sources. Um, the first thing that stuck out to me on tape, and again, you don't get excited and go, "Here's a contract from tape." Was her level of athleticism on defense. So we had a couple boxes we wanted to take, and that was definitely one. Like she can create her own shot, and her ability to, to play as a as a big body. Funnily enough, the agent, the first game, the full game that they sent was against Darcy Garvin. So oh, right. against uh, so that, that was uh, that was a good watch for us. The, See old Darce plodding around the floor for us. It was good. <laughs> plodding around, <laughs> just being classic guards. Yeah, you know, mm. tragic Bronson. Did she? No, Darce was good. Darce was quite good. Did she have all the old bunny mislabs? Yeah, oh, you know it. Of yeah, course, yeah, yeah, love it. You've said when Robert Hyde's name came across your desk, you thought no chance of getting him. Yeah. Obviously, you would have been stoked when you got word. Yeah, he's he he wants to come. Well, yeah. There's two parts though. One, like. Like, again, every agent, like, mate, like, you're not just, like, a little bit out. You're, like, tens of thousands of dollars out for, like, a jelly player, like a legit jelly player. So try again. Um, two, the way that actually broke down is that the agent sent me someone else first who was much more of the SBL level. And he wasn't quite what we wanted. So we went, listen, thanks, but no thanks. It's not quite what we're chasing. We're chasing someone a little bit better. And then Robert came out. It's like, what? Like, the jump was from a 5 to an 11. And that's what we couldn't quite work out. Like he didn't offer me an eight and then an eight and a half. He went from a five to an 11. And that was a bit it's like, hang on, like, are you sure? Like we're, we're talking Australian dollars. There's only two zeros there. There's not seven. Like, and yeah, no, he's interested. And then kick the tires on a lot. And luckily he'd been to Australia twice. So we had heaps of people on the East Coast that we know that we could reach out to and speak to. And a couple of Australian agents that actually knew him. So like when we actually signed him, like we actually had Australian agents reach out like he is legit like he is a good egg he's a great character he's a great human um, which is we'd already found that out anyway but for agents and people that we know to jump out and speak on his behalf after he'd signed um, was really pleasing because they just could have shut up and not said anything people willingly came forward giving up information even when they weren't asked on him just cemented that this is the, yeah, we've got the right guy here. Yeah, like generally you find a couple of people that you really trust, and I've got a couple in the East Coast these days that I do. Everyone's got an opinion, but as you would know in life, there's only a few you genuinely trust, and when they vouch for him pretty strongly, and as I said to Warren, he wouldn't have gone to the same G League team two years in a row if it was a bad egg. Like if he was bad, he would have got cut in the first year, yep. or he would have finished the year and then been cut. They brought him back. So he's obviously not a bad guy, and all these Australian people are saying he's fantastic. Um, made it pretty easy for us. What's what's the next step? We're, we're about a week out. What's the next week look like? Uh, well, we have, well, both of our squads have a practice match uh, set up against Wilton. So we'll be playing them to test kind of their facilities, and then that's coinciding with a round one bye for us, so we kick off our official season. Uh, next week, so a lot of what we've been doing all preseason is like we focus on ourselves a ton. Like, don't get me wrong, like we'll get into scout and do video and that sort of stuff, but we're clearly rocking into day one with the game plan, and we will also have a, a day 100 game plan that will look very different. So we're just trying to focus on ourselves, get ourselves right, and you know, as girls come back into the program, because we have girls that are getting added every week from you know different seasons and that sort of stuff, we're just trying to get them up to speed with what we're doing. Yeah, we're still, um, it's just frustrating, we're still trying to put guys in and we're literally studying again each time. So Greg High makes his first proper appearance tonight. Um, so it's going through the entire playbook and getting him up to speed. And again, we've got two hours to do it. Uh, so we'll get most of it done tonight. But then on Monday, Robert High arrives and we start again. And we basically have the same training session three times in a row just to get these guys up to speed, which is fine, it's part of the deal. It's just obviously we had Josh come in a week or two ago and we did the same thing for him. and. 
Jackson Hussey a couple weeks before that and Dernan had been out so a couple weeks before that so we've had our playbook in most of it anyway since early to mid-January but we've had to rehash it again and again and again just to get guys up to speed which is pretty common for this level in fairness it's also not the worst thing though right just reps of a familiarity with it yeah that's what I was about to say like the guys that are doing it every single time it's really going to be embedded in this is what we need to like, do you're literally going back to square one with well you would you would hope that and that's all <laughs> nice in cotton candy land but back in well I don't know what that beard's throwing me off I can't look at you man you got the virus um are we allowed to say that yeah, you can if someone's got... <laughs> Again, this is, this is pure jealousy coming from Ryan Patrick's mind. No one's jealous of a ginger beard. You need to try the person who says, oh, no, you know what I really want in life? A ginger beard. What are we talking about? <laughs> no, Players no, getting no. reps. We're seeing, oh, I don't know if anyone saw the blitz, but it didn't look like we ran our friends at all, and our defense didn't get run at all. So, um, yeah, it's probably not the worst thing. Continually rehashing stuff. But it's more just, like, we have more complex things we want to move on to. I know I do as a coach yeah, anyway. Of course. And that's the frustrating part. Like we're still putting in the stuff for week one. But when in theory, we wanted to start putting in stuff for round 10, round 15, round 20. <clears throat> Not using it straight away, but we want to start planting the seed for what we're going to do in the finals. Not today necessarily, but we want to start moving to more advanced stuff. Um, and we're still doing the basics. Oh my, he's on fire! Which areas do you think each of your teams have improved or are going to improve this season. <laughs> so we finished uh, second last last year in uh, three-point shooting percentage and three-point makes. So that was that was priority one for us in the offseason. Yeah, well, we had two. Um, well, we had three. We need more playmaking. So, again, going smaller. Travis, Chuds, Caleb White to Hussey, Derner and Hire we think gives us more, it clearly gives us less length. So slightly concerned about our defense, but again, we were number one in both categories last year. So as long as we finish top four-ish, we should be okay. But similar to Keegan, we were 11th or 12th, uh, 11th or 10th in three-point percentage, even though we shot the third most. So that's clearly an end that's got to go up. Uh, and more importantly, we were second last in turnovers, only behind Bunbury, who finished dead last in the ladder. Uh, we just turned the ball over way too much. So hence adding Hussey, adding higher, like adding Derner, more guys that can play off the bounce compared to previous, compared to last year. We would hope those two areas get drastically better and hopefully it doesn't give our defense too much of a hit. Flip side to where you think you're going to improve, are there any weaknesses that you think may emerge compared to where the teams you had last season? Well, I'm, not, I'm not trying to give you the game plan how to beat us on round one, so I'm not going to go too too much in depth. Just generally. The, well, the big thing for us is like our style of play is, is is quite different. Like last year, you know, can talk about last year, but we were clearly religious about pounding the ball into the paint, having, you know, three legitimate centers on the floor most of the time. But I'm not super concerned about, you know, what's our glaring weaknesses, but we do need to have schemes to kind of cover up because we're a very different team to last year so you know stuff we do defensively than we did last year we might need to pivot a little bit and, and vice versa we're clearly not quite as athletic or as long as last year so again just downsizing means we have less wingspan less athleticism uh so that's a concern as i said before but we were number one clearly last year in the metrics um defensively so we might come backwards a little bit there we're thinking if our defense goes backwards 8%, does our three-point shooting and looking after the ball go up 20? And overall, we'll make a net 12% increase or gain. So that's the thinking. We're happy to trade a little bit defensively. What? Sweet maths, man. Just net increase, net gain. Like, well done. I'm so... Oh, you leave the comedy with me. I'll, you just you talk about religious <laughs> and that post ups. Out here speaking like an accountant going through all of your... Uh, well, it's not hard. 20 minus 8 no, was no, 12. No, no, explain it to me. Was 20 really, minus again, 8 was... No, explain it to me. Then give me a lesson. That's, how, yeah, that's right, yeah. 20 minus 8 <laughs> is 12. Okay, cool. You can, get, you can get your calculator out and your watch if you want and whack away. But I'll do my own math in my own head. The Blitz, which took place <laughs> last weekend, different results-wise for both of you. Speaking to both of you afterwards... You both seem to take some positives out of the out of the process, despite what transpired, especially for the men. What do you What have you really learnt from from that weekend? Yeah, I know the Blitz is Ryan's favourite weekend, so I'll let him go first. <laughs> I hate preseason. Preseason games are the worst. I think I said this 
this year before, I reckon in the women's team for 10 years, we reckon we won nine games in 10 years of preseason. Yeah, finished top three, eight times in 10. So, not a big believer in being the preseason champions. We, uh, yeah, we, so we lost against the state team. I think we just laid an egg in the first quarter, found ourselves down 17. Go WA. Got a kick in the backside, suddenly we're up 11 or three quarter time or something. And then we just wanted to work on a two, three zone in the fourth. And they beat us and congratulations, like cool. So it's fine, so no concerns there. Uh, the Pret Lakes game was more of a concern. We brought in many more of our senior players, uh, as did Prairie Lakes. They also had some gun players out and so did we. So to lose by 37 was eye-opening. But again, even watching that back, yeah, there's giving up 112 points. And as a few of the boys said, like when we actually tried to play how we want to play, we were really good. And when we decided to play like millionaires, we were really bad. It's the same conversation we had on Monday with the boys, like, we can have all the talent in the world, but if we lose the effort game, we're gonna lose the whole game. Doesn't matter how much talent we roll out with. And the beautiful beautiful thing from a coaching point of view was it gave me the rock I needed to throw on Monday. Uh-huh. Um, so we brought him in early and gave him a couple of whacks over the backside and then showed him some film of the Redbacks preseason game here. And then they trained better than they've trained all year. So a few of them maybe started to get ahead of themselves, started to believe, started drinking their own bath water. The positive thing for the Blitz for us is that um, it just confirmed to me that Callum Beard is going to be a player. Um, he's killed our entire preseason. He was really, really good against the Redbacks here. Um, but again, like you're trying to chase a bigger sample size, and he was very, very good, obviously against the children in the state team. But then they rolled out against Prairie Lakes with their adults, and he was just as good in that game. As you said before, like at some point, Callum, like you're going to explode. Like, there's a reason why you went in the tube for so long. There's a reason why Cape Horn rates you so highly. You're really good. At some point, you will bust out. And we're just praying it's 2020. Yeah, well, again, similar sort of mindset. We, we placed a little more emphasis on it and some different criteria. Like we openly spoke to going to the blitz of like the measurement of success for us. It wasn't the scoreboard. It was the judgment on our style of play and kind of what we put in so far. And it was massive for us because we had some girls that we really needed to evaluate preseason. Um, Taya, like we gave, we played two games in two days. Uh, sorry, two games in one day, back to back. So we gave the girls the option, well, some of them the option of like, hey, like, some of them played one, some of them played two, and a couple of them like, Taya knocking down my door, like, hey, I haven't played in six months, I need to play two games. Chelsea Patrick, hey, I need to play two games. Chelsea Roberts, you know, we, we haven't seen play a live game with our eyes, so she needed to play two games, that sort of stuff. So the biggest thing for the Blitz was, uh, confirming that the pace of play, what we want to do and seeing some girls. You're, you're looking at me funny when I mention your wife. What's yeah, up? Well, she, wanted to play, she was knocking down your door to play two games. Yeah, when I uh, put the schedule out straight away, she was the first one to text me. She's on the Zimmer frame. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. She's well, knocking your door down. There was a moment in the Southwest game in the third quarter where I subbed her out at the beginning of the third and I'm like, you're, you, you're checking in one more time and you're done. So, what do you mean? So, yeah, like this is your second game in one day You've been touch wood, like injury free so far. You've been doing great. Like you're, you're coming out. Like you're not playing forty minutes over in one day. We were um, so Saturday night. It was Saturday, wasn't it? The Blitz. Yeah. yeah. So we went home on Saturday night. And we we're playing frisbee with the dog in the backyard, and she was walking around like a broken down old croc. Just why did you have to play two games? Oh, I'm so sore. I'm so sore. Well, Shelby. She was banging the door down. Shelby, Shelby comes up to me at half fun or whatever and then goes, you know Chelsea's doing this new diet, right? I'm, oh, yeah. No. I was like, yeah, she's doing this thing this weekend where she eats like 700 calories. Yeah. Like, and she's asked to play two games and hasn't had a meal before our second game. Like, <laughs> so you're an idiot. What was funny, and you'll enjoy this. I don't know if you're a fan of The Office or not. Oh, yes. The um, Michael Scott fun run where he has that <laughs> Alfredo pass tower on three runs. So in between games one and two, like I, was, I really wanted to go that burger joint in Subi at yeah. um, Just Burgers. Yeah. So uh, she was like, oh, that'd be great. I'll play two games. So Chelsea wolfs down a burger of some vegetarian delightful rubbish. And then just came out the whole like, the whole car ride back. I got to play in 30 minutes. Like, way to go, Michael Scott. And she's like the Alfredo sauce, Alfredo sauce. <laughs> like, on the way to the game. I was, and maybe she even said, like, she almost wanted to vomit during the first quarter. Because she just had a burger. It's like, Chelsea, what are you doing? Yeah, but that was also her only meal for the day at, like, 2, 2 p.m. Like, she played the whole first game. <laughs> like, without telling me. You think coaching's hard. Why try to live Oh, oh, okay. This is-
We can't have 700 this calories. This podcast is Japan. You can't this one, have 700 calories and then complain that you're hungry. This, might, this one might have to come with a warning beforehand, so not safe for Chelsea Patrick. Trigger warning, Chelsea Patrick. Is Jump City ready to see some non-fancy basic fundamental dribbling? Man, I told my agent nobody wanted to see a man just bouncing a ball up and down. As much as you hate the process of preseason games, it does give you the opportunity to sit back and look at what what, what the team's doing. And yeah. obviously, the bad things are going to stand out. And I guess you can go through and iron out the kinks as best you can. Yeah, but I think we we are we're trying to do a big thing about looking at the positives, and it was majorly personnel based for us. So very similar to Ryan, where he's confirming that Callum Beer is going to be a legitimate player. Like it was the same thing with us with Taya. Like, you could tell that Taya spent a year learning from Katie and Lauren in a Lynx environment. Like, some of the plays she was able to make at the Blitz, she just wouldn't have made in a previous year. You know, we got to confirm that Chelsea Roberts is a, is a legit, you know, player. So it was mostly looking at the positives. And again, like, there's some feedback that we need to give and we do it through film and individuals and advice and that sort of stuff. But the more positive we can keep it, the better. Let's cast our minds back to last year again a little bit. What's the thumbnail that sticks out? Is, is there one moment or one passage of play from last season that sort of sticks out and sort of sums up the season both the teams had? Mine's really easy. Mine's watching Richard turn and pop his calf on the Wednesday training session and literally going out that season over. Right off the back of a 40-point game up yeah, in Kalamunda. Yeah, right off the Kalamunda weekend. So he turned up a little bit out of shape. Mate, got to get going, got to get going, got to get going. Started training with the Wildcats, got his, got really fit really quick. Suddenly started killing it. His three-point shot suddenly came back. He came out and dropped 40 on the, in the Calamundi game in the second game of back-to-back weekend, one player of the week. Was getting back to 80% of what we know he can do uh, and was murdering that practice and made a jump or whatever in the post, turned around to run and just fell in a heap. And literally like the entire squad just knowing like, ugh. That's the end of that. And obviously he came back, but it just wasn't the same level that obviously he can get to. The other one was watching Bobby do his Achilles against, was it Lakeside? It was Lakeside's last was Lakeside? game. Literally yeah. like... That was gut-wrenching. Well, it was also the fact he'd done like all the work. Yeah. Like he'd taken no shortcut and he did all the work and was starting to really play well. He finally had like a decent injury run, decent run with health. And the Lakeside at the time was sitting top. They would have been close, yeah. Yeah, they were first for ages. So they, they were top two or three at the time. And we were up 20-odd. Like we, and we, without LT, with JR playing his first game in eight weeks, like we were well undermanned. They were at full strength. We're up 20 and like starting to play some really good basketball again, even with JR at 50% health. And then Bobby did his Achilles. And literally like our entire team just stopped, just stopped playing. If that had happened in the first quarter, we might have lost by 100. Um, luckily, it happened later in the game that we were able to just ride the win out. Um, but those two injuries just... You need to have a good team, but you need to have some luck at the right time. Uh, and those two things just suck. <laughs> at times last year, you guys, in my opinion, I think I saw enough of the teams last year to be able to judge it. At times, at your best, I, th- I think you were the best team in the league. So, um, and we've, we've spoken about this, the, the could-have-beens and, and, and that, but do you sort of look back on last year and think, oh, you know, what could have been? Or is, that, is it just not healthy to get into that mindset? Well, I'm just no, because we weren't the best team. Like, if we were the best team, we would have won it. We didn't. Like, it's 13 teams run out with excuses why they didn't win, and one team just goes and parties, like Keegan would know. You're right, like, some of our best basketball was really good. At the same time, the other side of that coin is some bad basketball was also the worst. Um, so if you're going to take the good, you've got to take the bad. Um, our variance was just way too wild. Yeah, you're right. We could play a 10 out of 10 game, but there was no 9 out of 10 as a bad. We had a 4. Um, and again, if you get swept in a final series, you probably weren't the best team. Probably a silly question for you, Keegan, given the way the season ended. But would you change anything about last season at all? Yeah, of course. Like, I think one of the most important part of coaching is, is always reflecting. Like, you can always do things better. And I learned a ton in season one as a head coach of, of things to do and 
I think a lot of the things that we'll improve on and change are things that we'll hopefully see in our style of play and, and game this year. But a lot of things I'd probably do differently is a lot of the off-court stuff, like just different ways that we organize practice. Like, you know, when we came in last year, we had to run practice a certain type of way because the time constraints we were under and the stuff that we had to do, some of the new stuff we're putting in. But yeah, this uh, you know, I've learned a lot of stuff spending this year with the Cats as well and some of the ways they conduct practices. Like, you know, some little things that we want to throw through there. So, like, I think you've constantly got to adapt and change or the game's going to go by you. Just touch on that for a sec. You, you mentioned the Cats. Um, for, for those who don't know, you, you have been doing a bit of an internship with the Wildcats yeah. as the as one of the video coaches. Yeah, I'm the video intern. So I sit at practice. I, you know, film practice, code practice, uh, do the same stuff on game day and, you know, help out with video stuff wherever they need, essentially. So I'm with them uh, most mornings and I go to the BWA job in the afternoon and um, no, it's been a great experience for me. You're basically doing 12 hours a day though, yeah. of basketball. How, how many times a week? Oh, how many practices a week do we have? It ranges from, you know, sometimes we go four or five, you know, sometimes we're two. It's, it's a little different, but you know, whenever we're not practicing, there's guys still in that are shooting and like we'll rebound and we'll do individuals for so you know the life of a of a coach isn't a nine-to-five job we kind of all know that so there's periods where it's hectic and there's periods where it's more analytical planning stage and it's definitely the hectic period right now because people who come into the, the stadium and, and see you guys in game night it's the only time that they witness the work you do but how many hours are you guys actually putting in a week i mean through through the pre-season through the off-season you're still committing time to it so can you quantify how much that is well, the, the weird question with us, because we both work basketball outside of this, so are we talking basketball in general, or are we talking just for flying? Just for this basketball program here. Uh, yeah, no, I, I couldn't put an hour on it. Yeah, those lines are super blurry, right? Just, yeah, just because like there's random things that are like, you literally be sitting there, like last night I was sitting there watching Moneyball, and literally thought back to an offense we ran back in 2013 in the women's, so like, if I could tweak it, it might work for the guys and just stop the movie. And when it's been 10 minutes writing it down and I'll come back to it tomorrow. Yeah, like every, the one that constantly surprised people, like people think we usually just turn up to practice. <laughs> like just, you just rocked up and just invented this order drill. Like no, and that's what really annoys me with the players. Like, and I'm sure you have the same problem. Yeah. Like our practices are done in a sequence, in an order for a reason. So we build up, build up, build up. And by the time they scrimmage at the end, like hopefully you're seeing some progression and some trans um, transition from what you did earlier into the scrimmage and like just all went out the window. It's like guys, like, what, <laughs> why do you think we did that drill or what do you think we've done in that order? Oh yeah. So, um, I don't think that's exclusive to our level though. I no, I think it's every level. Yeah. The one, I don't know, you might be different. Um, the game night one sucks for me just because it literally feels like, like you've done all your work during the week, come game night, the scouts on in the like the videos up in the TV in our change room that's on loop. Players are getting taped. They're watching the scout again and again and again. Like you've got your quick hitters ready to go if you need them. Uh, you've got adjustments you might need if you need them. But like generally, they're almost on autopilot, and you're just trying to guide them through the um, obstacle course. Um, whereas the not the the game finishing up until the next game starting, that's your workload, and then the game starts you just become, it almost yeah. autopilot, and yeah, you just 100%. fix the plane if it starts going off course. Yeah, when that ball's gone up, it's clearly stuff you can do and adjustments you need to make, but I think one of the phrases I saw from Ryan a while ago. It's probably a good yeah, one. No, it's well, probably a good one. Yeah, debatable. But, um, you know, like coaches, coaches don't win games, players win games. Like coaches can certainly lose games, but you know, there's adjustments that you can make here or there that are one percenters, but like your work to win the game as a coach is, is done when no one's there. Like it's practice stuff, it's planning stuff. Like I've even done the cliched stuff where there's a notepad next to my bed. It's like, I'll just wake up and have a thought or, or that sort of stuff. It, it, it's tough working in a basketball role with lots of administration uh, duties as a full-time role as well, because you'll be sitting there with your headphones in doing whatever, you know, you're doing for your, your work, doing spreadsheets, that sort of stuff. And then you'll just have something that you want to do for training pop in your head. So it's kind of that thing where you're, it's, it's never switched off. Was, it, was the thought ever I need to shave his beard because really? I stupid? The thought was, I'm going to be a good teammate. I'm going to go along with team yeah. tradition. That's good. That's what I start. But I can grow a facial hair, man. That's something, that's something you should try one time. He's spreading a plague. Yeah. Well, I think it looked good. That's great. Chop that down in your notepad. Shave yeah. beard. We've looked back. Let's try and look forward. In a perfect world, 
start of August, where are you? Where are you as a team? Where are you as people? Clearly, hopefully, we're in the playoffs. Well, yeah, obviously. Probably more importantly, A, hopefully we're healthy, and B, hopefully we're rounding into form. Uh, one through eight, don't really care. Clearly, one and two is better because you get home court throughout finals, and in the new structure, you get a double chance, and yeah. obviously the week off in week two, if you should win. So clearly, we'd like to be the pointy end rather than at eighth. But again, as Keegan found last year, just got to make it. Doesn't really matter as long as you win your final game of the season. So my first, second, and third wish is that we're there healthy, and the fourth wish is probably that we're rounding into some kind of form. Before you jump in and answer that, Keegan, how do you think the week off is going to play? Do you think that's going to be an advantage or a hindrance to whoever gets it? And you, you can go through any sport right through the last however many years and there'll be instances where a top team has got a week off and the momentum just gets broken. So how do you how do you think that all... Yeah, to be honest, I don't know. Like, I, think it'll be, I think the league tinkering with stuff is always great. Like change, change is good in this kind of space but um yeah i don't know like i know there was periods last year like where we would take practices off and sessions off for workload management and we would suck you're 100 percent right but you know at the same point like freshness of bodies is also a huge thing too so if you can get through the playoffs winning i think three games is the minimum or if you have to play four like in theory you're taking three like the less games possible but the, the momentum stuff is important too yeah, I'm certainly not a fan of the week off, especially in basketball. Obviously, it's huge in AFL and in NFL. In basketball, much less so. The bonus here, I guess, is that it guarantees you getting to week three and you get home court. So they're probably two decent trade-offs for... So they're the two pros. The con is rust. The pros probably outweigh the cons, but it's not like an AFL pro. Like I get why the AFL system has it, and it's really good in AFL, um, but basketball's a different sport. So it's not as big an advantage as what it is in AFL. Yeah. And where do you want to be in August? Looking, oh, looking forward, we, no. jumping back into that. All the same answers is Ryan, but I think the big thing Classic. for us... <laughs> Classic. The big, the, big, uh, the big thing for us is we can't come in with the mindset of we're defending a title. Like, we're, we're, t- we're attacking for another one. Super different playing group, different style of play. But I think if we get into that, you know, we're the champs, they're coming, they need to come at us and that sort of stuff. Like, I just think that's... Not a great recipe for us, so you know we want to be, you know, hunting, not the hunted. So that's our kind of our mindset. The reality may be a little bit different, though. Yeah, no. Teams, I mean, I you guys will have a mark on your back. We're gonna we're gonna cop every team's best performance as well, but I think we need to look at the league and, and go, okay, we're gonna give our best performance to every team too. Like we can't just go, we're the champs, we'll get there. Because I don't think that's a positive mindset for us or this group in particular. So. I think the uh, the goal is how can both programs be raising a banner at the end of the year, and how can we you know, add another one there? And not you know, let's just defend this one. Let's just get there. It's like no, like we're actively trying to get another one. Oh, boom shakalaka! We spent a lot of time talking about off season, pre season. Be a little bit remiss of us not to touch on perhaps the biggest thing that happened in our off season um, in basketball, and that was probably the the death of Kobe Bryant. Keegan, you being from California, being a Lakers fan, Ryan, similar vintage to me, the guy just pervaded every... Oh, vintage. That's a nice word. Every time you vintage, that's Cooper old. Don't, don't want to give any numbers away. That's that's all. You know, the guy who's pervaded every aspect of, of basketball globally for basically the last 25 years. You know, how, how did you guys sort of react to that? Yeah, like very clearly shocked, right? Like a... A guy like that, especially in the basketball community, is, is kind of seen as a mortal. I think we do that a lot with kind of yeah. our icons and legends of the sport. And, you know, I don't, I don't think there's a right way to react to any situation like that. But I kind of look to a lot of the, the stuff after, a lot of the positive messages that were spread, the, the girl dad stuff that was trending on social media and, like, the legacy that he leaves. But, you know, it's clearly, clearly horrific. And uh, the basketball community was, was really feeling it, whether you had any sort of connection with him or not at all. He was a figure that was very inspirational for a lot of kids and coaches and everyone. He, he did. He transcended the game. Every, everyone knew who he was, like Jordan, like LeBron. Everyone knows Kobe. You, you don't even have to say the last name. Everyone knows Kobe. Yeah, obviously very sad and tragic and things Keegan just spoke to. The one thing that probably surprised me more than anything else was just how much he was looked up to by current players. Like, I knew he was well-liked and respected and all those things, but 
the amount of like current NBA players and like even like WNBL, like I know with like Ariel Atkins, like we had Americans in our team and they were shattered. And like to the point of like, damn, like it's like they all knew him personally somehow. That was kind of the bit that surprised me a little bit. It took me back. It um, seemed like everyone had a story as well. Like everyone had one individual story. Yeah, like, hey, like I said, it just, it blew me away just how many people like looked up to him. Uh, clearly, elite talent, elite guy, yada, yada, yada. But the effect it had on so many people was the most eye-opening to me. I think my favourite thing I've seen in, in the aftermath is the tattoo Devin Booker got. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but Kobe signed a pair of shoes for him in his last season and wrote, Be Legendary. And, and Booker's actually gone and got that tattooed on his arm. I think that's, um, yeah, obviously it's going to mean a lot to him, but I thought that was that was a nice touch. A sombre a somber note. Let's lighten the mood a little bit. Rejigged hot takes Whole, whole new bunch of questions. Oh, he's a pest. Here we go. Ah, uh, no, no. Well, we, we've gone away from that. And this is uh, Ryan's first chance to... <laughs> That's, a That's a personal joke. No one's going to get that. I get it. Yeah, nice. If she listens. I don't know who's listening. If you could dunk on anyone from history, who would it be? And this is a stupid question to ask. Three white guys who collectively average about six foot in height. Ryan's never done leg day, so he doesn't actually know how to jump. <laughs> if you could dunk on any figure from history, someone that you either despise or you just would love to have one up on them, who would it be? Ryan? Can I pick Ryan? <laughs> I, was <just> so <laughs> I was hoping for creative answers here, but uh, I think yeah, we've got I the obvious. Ryan. As 1A and probably Darcy Bowman as 1B. Darcy would yeah. So I was thinking more along the lines of like Trump or Hitler, you know, sort of. <laughs> like Not real big history. <laughs> <laughs> You've got one player who can take a shot for your life from anywhere on the court. Who are you picking? No, from any, any, any player from any period in time. <laughs> Can I pick like MJ for a layup? Like, can, can it's a yeah, it's a little too obvious. I probably should. Let's say it's a jumper. It's it's, it's got to be a jumper. So, who who are you taking? Under pressure. Well, can we can we twist that? And this is podcast one. But if you had to pick a player or a pass player that you've coached, like who would you pick? That is money. Game on the line. Play cannon. Cannon from like a jumper. Just in terms of just getting the ball. Just get it done. Give me a bucket. I'm okay. Yeah, okay. I think that was my answer too. Yeah, Whitcomb would have gone close. Yeah. But I mean, like I said, Cannon had a 47-point game on a bad team. Yeah, Cannon. Yeah, I would have I gone Cannon. Yeah. And then, yeah, I would have my answer as well. Yeah, I mean, Cannon. On your current teams, who's got the highest basketball IQ? Ooh. Does Brad Robbins count? I think he should. Then Brad Robbins, why am I? I'm, I'm, I'm going to close the gate a little bit there. Let's, let's go for someone who's actually getting on the court. Pussy and Buff are both right up there. Right, right up there. Mind you, Callum Beard's got the AOS Ripsaline him. He's just not as old. Um, he's obviously still a young, young pup. Yeah, Pussy or Buff? The safe money would probably say Chiba. But I think Chelsea Roberts as well could be a good outside pick for that too. Favourite basketball shoe? Any line from any point in history. Mine's easy because Jordan 6. Yeah, right. Because after Jordan 9, I would never play. I'm a big fan of uh, the Kobe Force. It's kind of the first pair that I doubled up buying. Real, real controversial, crappy take. I really like the Quiesner and New Balance shoes. I, I, I really like it. Boy, to end on a comedic note. <laughs> a pair of Kawhi's New Balance. Have you seen them? <laughs> You clearly haven't seen them. That's my thing. Kawhi's shoes. Talking about shoes and, and Kobe, the, the last pair that I played in, and we're going back a long way here, was the Adidas Kobe 2. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was an awful shoe. It looked like a toaster. Like It was an awful shoe, but 20 years ago, that shoe was... I thought they were the business. And I, I think they sort of sum up that late 90s early 2000s you look back on the fashion and just think what were we thinking like they were terrible you two are playing each other on 2k you got to pick 
you got to pick an historic team, all-time great team. Which one are you taking? So I actually do this with my housemate. Like we randomise the historic teams and go from there. Real, real fun night. Can't get displacements on the night. Come round, guys. We're playing two K. What do you mean you don't want to come round? It's the best way to live. The uh, the Chamberlain Lakers are hard to beat on two K. I'm telling you right now, it's a hot take. Uh, like I said before, I, on the last podcast, I just don't, I don't play the basketball sims. I do the season trading stuff and the yeah, my GM. Money ball stuff. Yeah, I love the, I can do the money ball stuff all day. But actually playing a game. Not taking one of those, one of those Knicks teams from the early 90s. <laughs> Which Knicks team? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not taking any Knicks team after 73. Last one. Luca or Zion? Who would you build a team around? Luca. 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 What do you think of Zion though? Sick to watch in a YouTube highlights package, but you know, he, he's, the reasons the NBA is clearly super talented, but like, I don't know, he's played what 20 games, yeah, or if that, but he has, I mean, he's blown it up. Yeah, if yeah. you read, if you read like the ringer and stuff, I mean, this guy's the future, and I, I know they can go a bit over the top with, with their assessment, but don't knock the ringer. Yeah. I know, yeah, I'm a big fan, but but they they uh they, they're all in with the uh with the Zion love, and yeah. you can understand it with zero training in the medical field so let's put that asterisk on this next comment <laughs> just in case i know you've seen my arms and you've gone this guy knows something no <laughs> you do not he scares me just from a like a physical like, yeah. longevity point of view yeah like, he's just again with no medical training it's just got derrick rose written all over him like the human body is just not designed to do that at that weight and those knees like, he's six eight like, 280 pounds no, he's six eight six six right he's shorter he's six, oh, right. six. Yeah, like, again, when he's healthy, he's incredible. But you watch him walk, and you watch that weight come down from those jumps and those knees. I I hope and pray he plays the next 15 years. But, I mean, there's a reason why LeBron's doing what he's doing at year 15. How much at 60,000 miles. Every year. Yeah, but like that body looks like it's designed to yeah. play 60,000 minutes and continue on. You just can't see Zion playing 60,000 minutes as he's currently constructed. Like, you watch Andrew Bynum run. That never look like a dude. It's like this guy's gonna play for twenty years. That's an athlete. Yeah. Like he just he ran weird. Like you look at Porzingis. I love Porzingis, but seven three and what he can do, it just doesn't reek of like longev- longevity. Yeah. And that's what worries me about Zion. At least it'll be fun while it lasts for those of us watching. Oh, I don't know. We should all the best. But yeah. Yeah. Luca for safety. You know, probably giving that personal message. You wish them all the best. Who? You. You get a direct link to Zion. <laughs> I don't have anything to Zion, but Donkic is probably from the Petrick neighbourhood oh, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> My Eastern European mafia links. The mafia links. Yeah, it sounds tough, Petrick. With a card K at the end. So you're just making assumptions here. Right? No, nah, I'm pretty confident. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a yes. I'm this is a whole other podcast when you get to. Yeah, this this yeah, really is. Mafia. Yeah, mafia. Tom Chelsea, Chelsea laughed at me. Yeah, validly. Well, yeah. we'll have a talk in the car. But uh, <laughs> you won't. Oh, you got you got the the added ash shell suit and pack of cigarettes to go with it and oh, take off while that. <laughs> 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 I didn't, that wasn't there at the end. On that note, gents, thanks for your time. It's been enlightening. It's been entertaining. But we'll wrap it up. Thanks for your time. In, enjoy your training. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, mate. And there it is, in the can, the first Hall of Flame for 2020. Thanks again to Ryan and Keegan. And a massive shout-out and thank you to the sponsor of the podcast this year, Wizard Lane Bookkeeping and GenMed Bookkeeping Specialists. My name's Stuart Horton. This has been the Hall of Flame. Talk to you soon. Dear Basketball. From the moment I started rolling my dad's tube socks and shooting imaginary game-winning shots in the Great Western Forum, I knew one thing was real. I fell in love with you. A love so deep, I gave you my all. From my mind and body to my spirit and soul. <laughs> 